Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Miles. The Building Excellence Podcast is all about sharing inspiring stories from some of the most successful athletes, coaches, business minds, and thought leaders to help you build excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. We hope this show provides you with tremendous value. If you find the show impactful, please share with a friend and on social media, as well as subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Now let's get to the show and start building excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. Today we have Jimmy Dykes on the show. Jimmy Dykes became an on-air personality for ESPN's coverage of men's college basketball in 1995, serving as both a game and studio analyst. Dykes was a three-year letterman in basketball at the University of Arkansas. He then transitioned into college coaching, spending time as assistant coach at the University of Kentucky, Oklahoma State University, Appalachian State, University of Arkansas Little Rock, Sacramento State, and Arkansas, where he later became head coach of the women's basketball program. He is a popular motivational speaker for companies, organizations, teams, and faith-based groups all over the country. In his story, you'll get to see why he's had such a successful career making an impact in so many people's lives as he touches on things such as humility, uh, forgiveness, commitment, culture, what it means to guard your heart, and asking yourself the tough questions. He recently wrote a great book, and it's called The Film Doesn't Lie, and it's about evaluating your life one play at a time. In the show, we're going to dive into a lot of the principles he shared in the book. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump right into the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I'm excited today to have a special guest, Jimmy Dykes, with me. Coach Dykes, thanks for being here. Hey, Bailey. It's good to be with you, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, if you wouldn't mind, uh, give us some context to your background and growing up and what that was like for you. Yeah, I was, uh, well, I was actually born in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where you're based out of right now. And yeah. uh, my father got transferred around with his job, and we ended up in Fayetteville, Arkansas, my sophomore year in high school. And uh, I went on to play basketball for the Razorbacks here in Fayetteville. And that got me into coaching major college basketball as an assistant right off the bat with Eddie Sutton at Arkansas, Kentucky spent time with him at Oklahoma State. Then I got into the NBA as an NBA scout. Uh, and then that kind of parlayed into a, a, a crossing my path with someone at ESPN. And next thing I knew, I was doing games on TV. And 24 years later, here I am. So uh, <laughs> God, God's been really good to me and, and taking care of me and blessed me uh, with, a, with a terrific career. And I'm very grateful for it. Oh, absolutely. Well, how important as you look back at your career, I mean, sports were obviously important to you. But what about your parents? Were they someone? Were they people who were always encouraging you um, in sports, working hard, or what are the values that you learned from them at a young age, or even as you look back now to really appreciate? Yeah, absolutely. My father passed away a couple of years ago, and uh, but at age of eighty-six at the time, he was still battling cancer and uh, selling real estate. He never quit work, and I think that's he's probably laid that foundation in my life as well and taught me the importance of how to treat people and it is possible to outwork people and also but uh keep a life balance with your family he was he was huge on spending time with us as many hours as he worked um throughout his entire life of, of work he always made time for our family and coached all of my sports he was my baseball football basketball track coach all the way through till i got up to you know the junior high high school level so yeah, he, he, they, my, my parents, very fortunate, they, they poured into my life of me and my sister. And like everyone out there that's fortunate to have parents that do it, man, it certainly uh, is a, a, a real blessing. It's, it's, it's not common anymore. Um, as a, a, and, and that's 
that's kind of disappointing when you see where our society's headed, but uh, man, there's, there's no excuses in life. You take what's handed to you and you run with it. Uh, I was very fortunate to have a really good start. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. And one of the things you talked about moving around a lot growing up, um, you look back, was that important to you or did you learn a lot from moving around and making uh, new friends and being able to develop social skills with different people? And was that something that, as you look back, was important? I think so. I mean, back when I was growing up, there was no social media or cell phones or anything. It was all, you know, hand-to-hand combat with kids on the block. <laughs> and uh, but I think it did kind of help me accelerate in my ability to, to meet, meet, meet people, communicate with people, um, and kind of made sure that I had a, a personality that could stand up uh, in, you know, changing times in life challenging times in life whatever because it's challenging to move around uh, we moved around four I guess we moved around five times from the time I was in kindergarten to high school that's a lot of moves yeah but it made you know probably, probably made me versatile in some areas and uh it, it, it's I I love my I love my background you know I, I love all the different things that we did as a family growing up and moving from Oklahoma to, to Missouri to Colorado to Arkansas I think all that goes into shape in all of our lives yeah, absolutely. I know you love Tulsa the best, though, so we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it's it's interesting as you look back, you're able to see, like, I'm sure a lot of those things help prepare you to do what you're doing today, but also as a coach, you know, relating with different types of people. And so you may not know those things at the time, but somehow we're able to have these things that God puts in our lives shape us if we, if we choose to let it. So um, you talked about growing up a little bit, playing sports was – were you always wanting to play basketball or do you play in other sports as well? I did everything. I like, uh, you know, whatever the sport was, whatever the season of the sport was, I was in it, you know, played football in the fall, basketball in the winter, ran track, played baseball in the summer and started over again the following year. Uh, and I, I wish parents would get back to doing that. You know, when I was, when I was into coaching, we always liked guys that were multi-sport athletes. We felt like they hadn't reached their full potential. They weren't going to get burned out. Uh, they still had a lot of growth to go in, in their particular sport that we were looking at them from college basketball. Uh, I think a lot of parents these days, they, they go all in on a sport too early and they might even miss on the sport that their kid is actually best at, but yeah. they're so deep into, they're so deep into basketball or baseball or football, you know, they, 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 they can't get out of it and they get caught behind and, and maybe what is their best sport. So I'm a built, I'm a big advocate of playing all the sports, up until and through high school, if you can, if you can be a multi-sport athlete in high school, if you're good enough to play college ball and whatever sport you want to go in, that that's all it's going to do is help you. Mm-hmm. So how did, how did you wind up at Arkansas? Well, I went to Fayetteville high school and it's two blocks from the university of Arkansas campus. Eddie Sutton was head coach at the time. That's, that's who I wanted to be under. Uh, not so much as a player as I didn't, I didn't have a great playing career in college, but I knew I wanted to be a coach. And I knew at the time my dad was uh, had, had a good relationship with Coach Sutton from their days back in Tulsa together. Uh, I knew that I could learn the game of basketball from one of the best to ever coach it. And I think that's probably shaped how I see the game today, how I call the game, how I analyze the game for ESPN. A lot of the sayings, a lot of the ways that I look at a basketball game, good or bad, comes from what I learned from uh, Coach Sutton. Mm-hmm. And, and why did you want to become a coach? I think sports was just my life growing up. 
and I didn't see anything that really attracted me to anything other than I wanted to be involved in in athletics going forward, you know. So I I knew when I went to college I wanted to be a college basketball coach. Now that kind of my my path kind of changed, but at least I stayed in the same you know college basketball area all the way through from even when I was scouting in the NBA I was I was watching college games to try to decide who we're going to draft. So I've been in that college game for you know 40 years now and uh, it's it's been really really good to me and I just think it's something that God planted in my heart probably when I was young knowing that this is this is the path and this is the platform he want, he wanted to use me for. Mhm. Yeah and you know you got a unique perspective you got to be a a player under coach Sutton and then a coach with coach Sutton. Were there any particular moments as a player that, that shaped you that you can look back on that you learned a lot from? Well, I think that just overall the confidence that he had as a coach really uh, trickled down to his players. I, I know we, we never ever one time felt going into a game, no matter who we were playing against, that we were going to be out coached. There was never even an option. Like we knew we had the best coach in the building, no matter who we were up against. I think that's even great coaches today, you know, watching the national championship last night. I know those guys believe in their head coaches watching the final four. Like you have to have that about you. And coach Sutton certainly had that. And there's a great lesson there for any leader out there right now, listening that the people around you have to have tremendous confidence in you that our leader is better than your leader. When those, you get that culture built, you get that belief going and you can do some great things. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and touching on that, I think that's a great point on confidence, but how do you go about developing confidence and, and building a culture of that in, an, in a program or any organization for that matter? Well, I think it's, you got to be real intentional about it, Bailey. It's just a everyday grind. It's an everyday belief, a conviction and how we're going to do things, how we're going to work, how we're going to treat people, what our goals are. Uh, but you have to stay after day after day after day after day. It's hard to build. Uh, once you get it built, then it's, it's also uh, not easy to sustain it. It can be brought down in a couple of days by just a couple of wrong people. So I think it's something that you have to surround yourself with like-minded folks that, that want to believe in the same conviction you have in terms of how a company or a family or a team, an organization is going to be ran. and you get that belief going and you don't waver from it. I think those great leaders today, whether it's coaching or businesses, they listen to the people around them and they take advice and they, uh, they, they seek help. But at the end of the day, they, I believe they probably all have four or five or 10 key things that they know they're not going to waver on. And I think that's what leads people and people want to be led these days, uh, whether they, whether they vocalize it or realize it or not, they want to be led. That's how God made us. And uh, if you have the right leader, you end up going down the right path. You have the wrong leader, you go down the wrong path. It's as simple as that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's great. And it kind of brings it to the point you talked about in your book. Uh, you, you get to go around the country and meet with a lot of coaches, a lot of teams, and see a lot of different organizations and cultures. And I know you talked about how sometimes when you walk right into a building, you can be able to understand in about 15 or 20 minutes the dynamic of it's a good culture or a bad culture, just by uh, eye contact, by a smile, by a handshake. And I think those are some really, really important points that are so simple, but those are so intangible. And if you can do that, it, it kind of builds upon itself. 
Yeah, it's interesting because um, I travel, obviously, a big chunk of five months out of the year, and I get to see probably fifty games a year. That's a hundred teams. Uh, that's two. That's you know well over two hundred practices a year that I'm involved in watching. And you can just tell within the first 15 or 20 minutes what this team's made of, what their DNA is by how they, how they listen, how they speak with one another, how they communicate, the energy, what it sounds like. And that has to carry over in any other group setting that there is out there. Uh, and there's a certain way that a high-level college basketball practice is going to look, it's going to feel, it's going to sound. And you can translate that over into any area of your life, really. I mean, just think about your home. I could probably spend 15 or 20 minutes secretly sitting in the corner of your home or my home and within 15 or 20 minutes have a pretty good understanding of what the culture of that home is by how they interact, how the mom and dad interact, how they interact with their children, what's being played on the TV, what's being, what's being played on the computer, all those things within 15 or 20 minutes, you're going to have a pretty good idea of what's going on in that situation. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And it's so applicable, not just to a program, but in your family, in your business, really in anything. It's those little things that we do each day that build up over time to, to develop that culture and, and go in the direction that you set with intention, like you talked about. Um, real quickly, before we dive in your books, I definitely want to talk about that. Get, getting back in your career, you got out of playing and you became a coach. Um, you got to see different programs as a coach. You got to instill the culture and belief that you guys set with intention. What was it like being a coach, transitioning from a player to a coach? And then what are some of the things you learned as a coach? Well, I think as a coach, you got to see the game differently than you did as a player. You know, you got to, it just, the, the, the spectrum of what you're looking at and in charge of your days, completely different than a player. And, um, you know, then, then you become a leader, not that you're not a leader as a player, because every great team has, everyone's a leader, not just one guy, but, as a coach, you have to start seeing really big picture and, and understanding the importance of relationships and and the backgrounds of people and how you have to handle them and talk to them and coach them and motivate them. And you can't motivate everybody the same way. Not everybody's built the same way. They're not wired the same way. You can have a pretty basic foundation of how you work and, and the accountability in your program, but it's going to be different for different people. So I think as a coach, you just have to keep in mind you know, it's uh, it's a daily battle. It's a daily grind. Uh, you, you you take the steps are much smaller than you want to happen. It's not going to happen quickly at all. That's probably the same in leading a in leading any type of a group or a company. Like it's going to you're going to be more aggressive in your mind and what's going to be able to take place. Actually, so your patience really gets tested much more as a coach than it does as a player. And then I think your belief in, in what you do gets tested as well, you know, because as a player, you're pretty much just doing what your coaching staff asks you to do as a coach or being on a staff, you're the one determining what that looks like. And if it's not going well, you can start having a lot of self-doubt pretty quickly. And I think being a coach, it really tests your convictions in terms of uh, how you play the game, how you coach the game, the culture you're trying to build because it will get tested. And uh, if you don't stand up under a test and it's not a very strong belief to begin with. So those tests and trials are actually really good for us. Mm -hmm. Would you say you're a naturally patient person? No, 
Um, I, I think it's something that God continues to teach me and work with me on. Uh, you know, it's, but also it takes intentionality to understand and understand where your, what your strengths are, understand where you still are not a finished product. And I'm not a finished product by any stretch of the imagination at all when it comes to patience. Sometimes that's good because I, I want to get things done and let's get it done. I'm not going to want to drag it out, yeah. not, not have a plan and not execute it. But other times it can kind of work against you. So, and that's probably the same with anybody. You have, everybody has strengths and weaknesses. And some people would say my lack of patience is my strength. And at times it is, but also at times it's not my strength. I got to make sure I keep, uh, I keep all that in the right balance. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you got to be a coach for a while and then you transition into broadcasting analyst role. What has that been like? And have you enjoyed doing that as well as seeing different programs that we've already talked about? Yeah, I love, I love my job as a ESPN basketball analyst because I get to, you know, see the best of the best. You know, I, I, I spent a lot of time in the early season in non-conference tournaments, Maui, the Battle for Atlantis. You're seeing the best teams in college basketball. And once we get into conference play, most of my work is in the SEC. Uh, so you got high-level games from Kentucky, Tennessee, Auburn, Alabama, Arkansas. Like it's been loaded the last few years. So uh, the travel is a little uh, stressful at times. Time away from your home is not what how I'm wired, but it's all seasonal, you know, because now I'm in the here we are in the spring in Arkansas, and it's my off season. I'm completely off and still stay attached to the college game and do things from here in my home office, but. I'm not out traveling gone five out of seven days or anything like that. So I love the game. I love the excitement of it. I love the energy in the building still. I love to watch people compete. I love to watch coaches prepare their guys on game day. Uh, I, I really enjoy getting to know coaches at a deeper level because I've been in it so long. I've been around these guys for a long time. So uh, all those things have really uh, just been really good for my life. Yeah, absolutely. And let's dive into the book because – I was telling you before, it really is. I'm a big reader, but I'm 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 really serious about. It. it was a great book to read because it just probes and asks really intentional questions that that really make you think. And so, what was the inception? Why did you write the book? Well, I didn't even know I was writing a book when I first started. I, I thought maybe just I was maybe just writing some stuff for myself, and, or maybe it's going to be a men's study group. I I didn't know, but then it kind of started quickly growing and grew into a book form um, pretty rapidly. And uh, I think I, God laid it on my heart. I know that he had taught me a lot of things that I probably felt like that a lot of men struggle with or needed to work through themselves or at least pause and, and, and read and be intentional, like you said, about pausing in our life and just creating space in our heart to let God speak to us. There's so many things that are after our time and our attention and after our heart these days if you don't take the time to read a book like mine that calls you to slow down and stop and evaluate where, where you are in life, you just keep going. You just keep going with the good and you keep also dragging the bad with you all through life. So I, God laid something on my heart. I felt like I was obedient to his calling at that time to write it. Took a lot of time sitting right here in this uh, home office where I'm at right now, this computer. Uh, but it's a, uh, it was, probably like most authors I think I got more out of it as an author than any reader will because it really challenged me in all those 11 or 12 chapters I have in that book to, to dig into my own life in those areas yeah I know that's great well I love I love the title the film doesn't lie but I love the question that you pose what does the the film say about your life if you look at your life 
as basically as a coach would, um, what does it say? And, and that's such a powerful question because at the end of the day, there's no secrets when you're watching film. Um, and so how did that come about? And then what does that mean to you? And like, what, 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 what does that mean? Yeah. Well, you know, as a former coach yourself, that man, coaches put so much emphasis on watching practice or game film because that's when they can really evaluate and run it back and forth and look and see what's good, what's bad, what we need to fix, what's the issue here. And it was such a simple translation for me because that's been my life in college basketball to translate that, that story, that vision to our own personal life, our own walk with God. That if you really are sincere and authentic with your search of your heart, when we start talking about forgiveness and eye discipline and controlling our tongue, who we're spending our time around, all, all those things I dig into this with this book, uh, and you take the time to look at your own life as a game film, it's going to be pretty obvious where you are in those areas. You can't run from it. Uh, and that's, that's the same, same situation in any film room on a college campus or a high school team. When they start, start watching film, the room's quiet. Coach is speaking. He's pointing out the good and the bad. And there's nowhere to run. You, just, you sit there and you learn from it. And that's when real growth, though, really occurs. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things you had mentioned in the book, and I've also heard it too on Atomic Habits, you look at some of the best players in the country and what, what you've seen is they don't make the same mistake twice. And so in a sense of we look at our lives and we understand what's wrong and then we don't make that same mistake twice. If we can try to do that in an applicable way. And I think that's powerful because it's just that second mistake of doing it again and then again that kind of just builds and compounds but it also can be opposite where it can compound and build in the positive direction and so you know one of the things you talked about faith you know what is what does trusting god look like to you every single day well it's uh the understanding that it's not about me and it's it's so difficult to, to get our eyes off of ourselves every day and i i'm, I'm like everybody else i I have to guard against it the best I can, but our life is, it's not about, it's not about us. It's about him and what he wants to do in our life and how he wants to work through us. And that takes tremendous trust in belief of a heavenly father and, his, and, and uh, his, he's a father that loves us and cares for us and wants what's good for us. He wants what's best for us. He's not a harsh, strict, uh, uncaring, unloving uh, God at all. He loves us way more than we could ever know. That takes a lot of trust. And so how do you get that trust? Uh, it takes time spent with him. You know, I, I trust you, Bailey, a very small amount right now because I've never even met you in person. Uh, but reading about you, seeing your pot, some of your pot, I, I have trust that you're uh, who you are right now is what I think you are. My trust in who you are would be 10 times full if I lived in Tulsa and we hung out once a week for an hour and had coffee and went to a Bible study and we started really getting involved in each other's life. Okay. Same scenario holds true with our time spent with God. Mm -hmm. You spend, you spend one, one uh, day or one hour a year with him at Easter service, your belief, your trust, your dependence, uh, your uh, desperation for him. Is that, a, is that a very, 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 very minimal level, okay? You get to where the point where you're spending time with him every day and you let him speak to your heart and you're pouring out your heart to him 
that trust and that belief just grows. And I think that's what the challenge is for all of us to carve out that time uh, every day, whether it's like I put in the book, 1% of our day is like 14 minutes. And people say, well, I just don't have the time to spend that much time with God every day. I'm like, well, no one is that busy. Yeah. <laughs> no one. I don't care who you are. No one's too busy that you can't find 1% of your day to get along with God and let him speak to your heart and change you as a person. Mm -hmm. Oh man, that's, that's a powerful story right there. And we can all make time for what we really care about. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and 14 minutes, 1% of your day is very minute, right? But if, if, if it's something you care about and you want to develop a relationship, you want to get to know God, it's something sometimes you may not feel like it, but you, just like anything, sometimes you don't want to do it. You just got to do it. And then over time, it's going to evolve and you're going to develop a relationship. And so I love that because time is so important. Uh, developing relationships and building relationships in real life is, is through time interaction. Same with our faith. And I love that point that you talked about. Another point that I really think is really important to think about is I love the story you talk about uh, being an analyst. You're sitting there, you're watching a game, uh, you're listening to your partner broadcasting. You're also discerning the voices coming in your ear. And I love that analogy of, of doing that and being able to discern what to say, what you're hearing, what your partner's saying, and to discerning God's voice in your life. And you know, what does that look like and how do you go about discerning God's voice in your life each day, aside from what you just talked about, which is spending time, which I think is pretty important. So Yeah, I know it is because the, there's so many voices coming at us every day from, from outside and from our own mind, like the things that we tell ourselves, just we're constantly barraged with things trying to get our attention. And I think it's very important that God's voice somehow rises up above all those other distractions and noises that are fighting for our time. And God's voice is his written word. I mean, it's, he has spoken to all of us. It's, it's all there for us to learn, uh, to, to learn from. But the Bible's not going to open itself. It's not going to read itself to us. We have to be intentional and make a choice to get into his word daily and let him speak to us. And that, that Bible is, is God's, it's God's anointed breath of life to all of us. And it's a, but it's a choice, you know, and it's like you, you said earlier that if we make a mistake, you know, great players don't make mistakes twice. And that's a, that's a, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, but some people, they make a mistake and they make a mistake again. And after the third or fourth times, it's not a mistake you're making. It's a choice you're making. Mm, yeah. you know it, it's it's the same mistake but you keep making the choice to make the same mistake and i think that's where we are when we we go a week or a month six months without quieting our spirit and getting in god's word and being around other believers and being challenged for so we can grow to really know what his voice is it's not going to be an audible voice like i think god still at times really does speak to people like they like I really feel like I heard God say this because uh, I've had that a couple of times in my life where I felt like I, I know God just told me this. Okay. But for the most part, he doesn't have a burning bush like he did with Moses. For the most part, it's quiet one-on-one -on -one, whispering time with him where he speaks the most. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I, and I love that point because it is, it's such a important piece of just being quiet and listening. 
Um, you know, I've heard it said before is when you take time to listen, sometimes God is not yelling, he is whispering. So you have to, to silence yourself to listen to that whisper. So I think that's a, a great point you made. But what is something, if you were to say, this is a great way to actually apply it in your life, what does it look like for you to try to keep your faith at the forefront of your day throughout your day? Because there's so many things, like you said, that can pop in uh, our lives throughout the day with our work, things that pop up. What does it look like for you to try to be intentional about making sure it's at the forefront of your mind? Well, I, I think the best way to do it is to start your day. Sure. You know, it might mean getting up 14 minutes earlier. Okay. I think that's the best way to do it. And I think it puts God in the proper place in our life, giving him the, the first 14 minutes of our day. I think that's critically important. But you might be in a situation where that's just not possible for whatever reason. Uh, so then what are you listening to on your drive to work? What are you listening to on your drive home from work? What are you doing on your lunch hour? There has to be some time there somewhere where you can uh, get, get online and go through a study. You can listen to a, a, a podcast, a faith-based podcast, a good one. Not all on Mar, but a good one that's really challenging people to grow and take them into God's word. Uh, but it, it comes back to a choice of being intentional about it. There's, there's no other way around. Like you, I, I can't take this study guide right now that I'm working that through my church, a study of John, put it under my pillow at night and think I'm going to get something out of it. I got to open it up. I got to study it. I got to, it's got to be important to me. Mm -hmm. And like you said earlier, we make time for things that are important to us. And it's, uh, if you don't have time for God in your day, then don't expect, don't expect, don't expect it for the blessings. Don't expect for the growth, uh, to occur in your life nearly at the rate that he desires for all those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's another great point is just that it, um, good things take time and it's not, it doesn't happen quick, but at the same, same point, one of the things I've heard you talk about is just posting little things, you know, by your mirror in your car things that kind of reset your mind like that. I think that's a great application to, to that. And I want to honor your time as we wind down, but talk about maybe the importance of family and faith. I know you try to make a point to make sure you pray with your, your wife and your daughter, um, you know, each day. Talk about why that's important and how, how you go about that. Yeah, our daughter is now 16. I think we probably started when she was six years old. And I, I know it was um, in kindergarten, five, six, right in there. Um, I was just challenged one day by a guy at lunch who had started doing it with his family. And I said, you know what, we're, we, if I'm in town, we're not going to leave our house before we pray together as a family. And that's, that's different than, than praying for your family. I'm talking about praying with your family. And it just takes a minute. And we, she's 16 now before she gets in the car and leaves for cheerleading practice in the morning. My my wife is also the head cheerleader coach at her high school. So it's at 630 in the morning because they practice at seven. We circle up in the hallways. They walk out the garage and say a prayer over our day, ask for God's protection, his blessing, keep our hearts turned towards him. Uh, I think all that's doing is, again, it's putting God in the right place in our, in our home. It's giving my daughter an example of, of hopefully what she'll look for in her own husband someday, someone that wants to lead the home like that. Uh, and it, maybe it's a little uncomfortable for people to begin with, but as a man in your home, you're, 
you're led and you're wired to lead your home. And that's not just making money and making sure we have a pool to swim in in the summer and things like that. How do you, how are you really leading your home spiritually and where are you placing God in your life in front of your kids and in front of your wife and the importance that you place on it. And it's, it's, you can't just say it like they have to see it. Uh, and when they start seeing the importance you put on prayer every day, that, that has to multiply in some area. It has to, it's not going to come back empty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think what we talked about before, uh, just establishing that culture, you walk into a home, you can, you can automatically feel what it's like. You're doing those things and you're setting the intention within your family, which is most important, you know, aside from your faith, that's what's most important. And you're doing that for your, your wife and your daughter. And you're taking a little bit of time to do that in the morning, right? It doesn't take an hour to do that. I don't know. Right. Maybe it, maybe it might <laughs> at times. I don't know. But uh, for the most part, you know, it's it's a super intentional, small little time that sets the standard for the day for your family and at night. So I love that. I thought that was a really important point. Um, so as we wind down, I've got a little fire round for you. Would love to just kind of hear what your thoughts are in a word or a sentence, whatever you feel led to. You can do anything if. Mm, you can do anything if God calls you to do it. People like, well, what does it even mean? Well, if God calls you to do something, he's going to equip you to do it. You might think, I, 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 I can't do that. That's not my, that's not my strength. Mo- most time he calls us to do things that it's not our strength because we have to rely on him. So I would say I can do anything if God truly calls me to do it. Uh, like write a book. Like I, I've never written a book. I'm not an author. I don't use big words when I speak. But God, called me, God called me to do something and he led me through that process. Yeah, I love that. Toughness means? Uh, doing what's right when it's hard to do what's right. Favorite vacation spot? That's just part Colorado. That's a good one. Integrity is? Uh, just doing the right thing when no one's around. Uh, favorite professional experience? I don't know if that, that's a broad term for you. So Yeah, man, I, I've, been, I've, or, I've done a lot. Um, oh, I don't know. Bailey could be anything from some of those preseason tournaments, like the Battle for Atlantis this past, this past fall was tremendous. Baylor won, but just had some unbelievable games there. Um, I don't know, speaking at a, a sold-out, ballroom at the final four three or four years ago with rick barnes at a at a legacy breakfast where we got to share our faith that was still one of the highlights off the court um i don't coaching my daughter's track team honestly is probably about as good of a highlight as i have as i have right now because it was she was the athlete and i was a coach and uh those are memories that i'll never forget we're done with the fire round but the final two questions i have for you is there a certain piece of best advice you've ever received uh, I probably used to go back to my dad, just the importance of treating people how you want to be treated every day. You know, I think that's probably helped me in my career at ESPN as much as anything, you know, just to treat people around you with the kindness and the, the goodness that you want to be treated with yourself. That's, and that's coming straight from the Bible, but man, it's, it's so true and it will be always true going forward. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, this podcast is called Building Excellence. What does building excellence mean to you? 
Uh, I think it's it's not the result. It's not reaching a certain level, you know, of, of sales or trophies or whatever. I, I think building excellence is just how you go about living your life day after day after day after day after day, mm-hmm. and knocking it out of the park in the basics of life, which we know what those are. Where where where's God in your life? What's the name of Jesus really mean to you? Uh, how do you treat people? Those basic things, I think, day after day after day, at the end of the at the end of our day, that's what determines you are excellent or you are marginal or you failed. And I think all of us want to have the words "well, well done" said to us, but it's not going to be because of how big your house was or how many trophies you won or how many sales you made or how much money you made. There's going to be those other things that that's going to get us said well done or not well done and that's to me that's that's the uh barometer of excellence yeah i think that's a a great point well coach dykes thanks so much for coming on the show um there's so many powerful questions and lessons in the book you know the book is the film doesn't lie evaluate evaluating your life one play at a time so i would definitely encourage you all to check it out if there's other ways like social media to to follow you and, and see some of the stuff that you're doing what's the best ways to do that yeah, well, the best way to order that book, I mean, you can get it still, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, but uh, but you can also order them off a website, CoachJimmyDykes.com, and those books come to me about once a week, and I personally sign them and get them out to people. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Coach Jimmy Dykes. Yeah, there it is, right there. Sign right there. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so uh, follow me on Twitter at Coach Jimmy Dykes, and order the book at CoachJimmyDykes.com, and. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on, Bay. It's good to, good to visit with you and get to know you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thanks for making an impact for the right reasons. So. All right, man. Hey, everyone. It's Bailey Miles. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We hope you found value in the show. And if you enjoyed it, we would really appreciate you sharing the show with a friend, subscribing on Apple or Spotify podcast, writing a quick review, or leaving a five-star rating. When you do that, it really helps get the message out and allows more people to hear these stories and help them build excellence in their life, leadership, and legacy. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email. It's bailey at baileymiles.com. Follow us on social. We're on all the different social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Or check out our website at baileymiles.com. Once again, I'd love to hear from you, so definitely do that. And then thanks again for joining me on this journey. And remember, life begins at the end of your comfort zone.